Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States opinion syllabus in Chiafalo versus Washington. And uh, just to say to start with here, um, the decision in Colorado Department of State versus Baca is essentially refer to Chilafalo, so I'm not going to end up reading uh, that one. So uh, this is the reading for both of those. Certiori to the Supreme Court of Washington. Argued May 13th, 2020. Decided July 6th, 2020. When Americans cast ballots for presidential candidates, their votes actually go towards selecting members of the Electoral College whom each state appoints based on the popular returns. The states have devised mechanisms to ensure that the electors they appoint vote for the presidential candidate their citizens have preferred. With two partial exceptions, every state appoints a slate of electors selected by the political party whose candidate has won the state's popular vote. Most states also compel electors to pledge to support the nominee of that party. Relevant here, 15 states back up their pledge laws with some kind of sanction. Almost all of these states immediately remove a so-called faithless elector from his position, substituting an alternate whose vote the state reports instead. A few states impose a monetary fine on any elector who flouts his pledge. Three Washington electors, Peter Chiafalo, Levi Guerrera, and Esther John, the electors, violated their pledges to support Hillary Clinton in the 2016 presidential election. In response, the state fined the electors $1,000 apiece for breaking their pledges to support the same candidate its voters had. The electors challenged their fines in state court, arguing that the Constitution gives members of the Electoral College the right to vote however they please. The Washington Superior Court rejected that claim, and the state Supreme Court affirmed relying on Ray versus Blair. In Ray, this court upheld a pledge requirement, though one without a penalty to back it up. Ray held that pledges were consistent with the Constitution's text and our nation's history. But it reserved the question whether a state can enforce that requirement through legal sanctions. Uh, Supreme Court held the decision below is... Uh, affirmed and Justice Kagan delivered the opinion of the court. A state may enforce an elector's pledge to support his party's nominee and the state voters' choice for president. Article 2, Section 1 gives the states the authority to appoint electors in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct. This court has described that clause as conveying the broadest power of determination over who becomes an elector. That's uh, McPherson versus Blacker. And the power to appoint an elector in any manner includes power to condition his appointment absent some other constitutional constraint. A state can require, for example, that an elector live in the state or qualify as a regular voter during the relevant time period. Or, more substantively, a state can insist, as Ray allowed, that the elector pledged to cast his electoral college ballot for his party's presidential nominee, thus tracking the state's popular vote. Or, so long as nothing else in the Constitution poses an obstacle, a state can add an association condition of appointment. It can demand that the elector actually live up to his pledge, 
on pain of penalty. Which is to say that the state's appointment power, barring some outside constraint, enables the enforcement of a pledge like Washington's. Nothing in the Constitution expressly prohibits the states from taking away presidential electors' voting discretion, as Washington does. Article 2 includes only the instruction to each state to appoint electors, and the Twelfth Amendment only sets out the electors' voting procedures. And while the two contemporaneous state constitutions incorporated language calling for the exercise of elector discretion, no language of that kind made it into the federal constitution. Contrary to the elector's argument, Article II's use of the term electors in the Twelfth Amendment's requirement that the electors vote and that they do so by ballot do not establish that electors must have discretion. The electors and their amici object that the framers using those words expected the electors' votes to reflect their own judgments. But even assuming that outlook was widely shared, it would not be enough. Whether by choice or accident, the framers did not reduce their thoughts about electors' discretion to the printed page. Long settled and established practice may have great weight in proper interpretation of constitutional provisions. That's the pocket veto case. The electors make an appeal to that kind of practice in asserting their right to independence, but our whole experience as a nation points in the opposite direction. NLRB versus Noel Canning. From the first elections under the Constitution, states sent electors to the college to vote for pre-selected candidates, rather than to use their own judgment. The electors rapidly settled into that non-discretionary role. See Ray. Ratified at the start of the 19th century, the Twelfth Amendment both acknowledged and facilitated the Electoral College's emergence as a mechanism not for deliberation, but for party-line voting. Courts and commentators throughout that century recognized the presidential electors as merely acting on other people's preferences. And state election laws evolved to reinforce that development, ensuring that a state's electors would vote the same way its citizens as its citizens. Washington's law is only another in the same vein. It reflects a long-standing tradition in which electors are not free agents. They are to vote for the candidate whom the state's voters have chosen. The decision below is affirmed. Justice Kagan delivered the opinion of the court, in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Ginsburg, Breyer, Alito, Sotomayor, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh joined. Justice Thomas filed an opinion concurring in the judgment, in which Justice Gorsuch joined as to Part 2. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I can be reached at RhodesScholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S and the number 80.